Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm just doing a quick review of, I think it was episode six of Alienation, the first cigar. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that because I don't have the info right up in front of me, but I'm pretty, yeah, it was episode six. Um, and normally I do, you know, two or three episodes at a time. Today I want to do this episode, and the reason why is I really like this episode. This is, um, uh, this this episode was notable uh, rewatching it because, uh, and as I explained in my previous videos or my previous podcasts, I, um, I saw alienation, the series when I was a kid in like the seventh grade and I haven't seen it since. And so I'm rewatching it. And so it's been a very long time, but I remember really liking the show. And this episode was very illuminating because this is exactly why I like the series. And on the surface, it's not an episode that I that would seem like it would be one that would be a standout episode. It might even almost be described as filler on paper, but I think it's one of the things that makes the show work. And the reason is this one has, I mean, it has some uh, procedural action stuff, but not a whole lot. There's a, a very slow burn uh, plot line involving a, a woman in the newcomer community who befriends George and works with the police to help them uh, give them information on uh, the, the area of, of LA where the newcomers live is called Slagtown. And she helps them to, uh, you know, uh, to, to bust a, a lot of local drug dealers. Now, spoilers, it turns out that she is a, um, uh, a drug kingpin herself, and she's actually just trying to expand her territory. So she's using this relationship to do that. But I have to emphasize, that's a very slow burn. It, it, it happens over the duration of the entire episode. And, and while it's an important plot point, a lot of the other stuff going on that's feeding into this plot line has more to do with IRS troubles and with, um, uh, with, with, uh, with a, a small plot line involving Buck, uh, the son, who gets a job at kind of a scam real estate office that doesn't really exist. Um, and so it's, it's almost, I mean, again, there is a plot there, you know, and it's pretty exciting actually when you, when, when you, when you think about it, but, but it's really almost more of a hangout episode. Uh, and I think that's why I like the episode and why I like the show so much, because the stuff that really makes this work is how, again, how believable all of the material is. And so you're, you're sort of dealing with like all of the elements of, this 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 alien culture that's come to the U.S. and is now assimilating in various ways and resisting assimilation in various ways and finding its place in the society, and so in that sense, it's like reminiscent of stuff like The Godfather and that type of thing, you know, where it just I don't know I just the, this uh, just the way that um, all that stuff plays out in the episode, everything from the little customs that you learn about from uh from from george who's the uh the one of the main characters who's who's a newcomer uh with having this connection with this woman in Slagtown, and you getting a sense of you know what the wh what this community looks like and how it's taking shape and also the stuff going on with buck where the thing that he's selling the real the imaginary the, the imaginary real estate that he's selling is is a as a um and again they're called tectonies like that's the official term for the aliens he's selling a tectonese uh community selling shares 
of of like you know like basically selling condos of of uh, in in a in a planned community this Tectonese, uh they're they're affected by salt water so it's like a thousand four hundred miles inland from salt water and it uh it's away from uh, they they eat all of their meat raw they don't like the smell of burning meat so it's away from all that stuff I and mean, it doesn't exist but the the way that the guy who's conning everybody who's also a newcomer is painting this community it's like their ideal it's a way for them to uh to to have their have their culture here on earth um and also avoid some of the dangers that they have to deal with in places like la and things like that so that's interesting but also just the way the show is written um the 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 way that some of the more interesting stuff is dealing with george dealing with the irs and and him kind of going from being very by the book and really embracing a lot of uh uh the ideals of being a police officer of being an american but then misunderstanding some of the nuances of it and then finding that he's you know railing against the irs because they're they're auditing him and they're penalizing him because he didn't his deductions were wrong and there were irregularities um you know all that stuff i thought was really enjoyable to watch you know the, the stuff that didn't necessarily have to do with the drug dealer stuff or that was peripherally related was almost more engaging. Now the 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 drug dealing plotline was also interesting. There was a, you know there was a, the the now the the woman who uh, is the drug kingpin. And again, this gets into some of the subtext of the episode. Obviously, her name is Betsy Ross. And again, they they play with names a lot in this show because the uh, the newcomers were assigned names, kind of like you know like if your family came in from Ellis Island, like my. My uh, grandfather's family, their name was Cento Fanti, and it got changed to Fanti. So it's a play on that, on how the names often get changed when people come to the U.S. type of a thing. And here, you know, a lot of the people who assigned them names were either resentful or being playful and assigned them names that were humorous. So like George, his name is Sam Francisco. And her name was Betsy Ross. But in this in this episode, it's they, they really play into the use of, of those kinds of names uh, because it you know it turns out that she's not just a drug kingpin, but she's a um, she's a uh, uh, she's an overseer. It turns out that you know, she has they, the overseers have these tattoos on their wrists, and they're the ones that enslaved the newcomers on the ship. They they seem to be the same species. They seem to be the same type of aliens. But they have a whole different mentality and they've kind of, uh, they've obviously, they're almost like, you know, like Nazis that escaped to South America or something. So, uh, so, there, so it's kind of, she's kind of like the, a lot of the episode is George sort of being enchanted by America and then being disenchanted by America, being enchanted by Earth and disenchanted by Earth. And the, his relationship with Betsy Ross, where he's initially enchanted by her and then uh, in befriends her and she even helps him and then. He, you know, uh, you know, comes to have this, you know, bleaker view of the lady. Um, so it's, I don't know. Just a, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, um, uh, uh, an in interesting episode. I thought that, um, uh, I don't know. I, I thought that uh, the, like I said, the domestic stuff, the hangout stuff, was was a, a little more interesting than than the actual drug plotline which was fine and kind of cool like it, it, it the betsy ross character is very uh i can't remember if she sticks around they arrested her this episode and there's a whole thing where the the captain wants to make a deal with her and sykes and george go against the captain's wishes and arrest her anyways um 
but I'm kind and I can't remember, but I'm kind of hoping she makes a return because she's a really interesting villain. Um, she's kind of got like a Mrs. Poole quality, but she's evil. So she's like an evil Mrs. Poole with that. And Mrs. Poole is probably an old reference, but from the Hogan family, Mrs. Poole. And if you didn't see the Hogan family, the the secretary from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. She's just got this, this, uh, I don't know, this, this is like den mother vibe or something. Um, so, uh, so I'm hoping she makes a return because she's also, she's also, that is really disarming that when she becomes sinister, it really feels sinister. Um, and the way that she takes out some of her rivals is, it was really for a TV show. I thought really impressive, but again, I like the, the writing of this episode. The, uh, there was a, there was a scene where he's having the financial troubles and his daughter, I think her name is Emily. She offers to give him $140 cause she has it in her piggy bank. And when she said that, I was like, wow, $140 in a piggy bank. Who's got that? I, I never had that kind of money as a kid. I never, I was never able to save up that much. Um, so it was a little bit odd, but it worked because then later on she gives the money to Buck to buy her a share because she wants to invest in the thing that Buck's involved in. I, I don't know. I, I like that. I mean, again, it's it's a little bit – I like when things line up, when they mention something and then it kind of comes up later. Uh, you know, the, sometimes it feels a little too lined up. But here, I don't know. I, I liked it because it, it stuck in my brain just enough. It was like, oh, that's kind of a lot of money for a kid. And then when they mentioned it later that she had 140 to to she needed $100 to invest. That was the other thing. It wasn't – if it was exactly the amount, it would have felt weird. But because it was, she had enough, but over, it was more believable. Um, but yeah, again, this was a, oh, and the, the other thing in this episode is uh, there's a, a, a new drug called Jonathan. And I think the street name is Jack. And it's used both by newcomers and by humans. It's like really addictive. And, and again, the show is set in the 90s. Uh, the show came out in 89, so it's near future and they call it the crack of the nineties. Um, you know, I think, I think the crack of the nineties was probably still crack, you know, I don't, or I don't know. I can't remember if we had new drugs that came out in the nineties, but, uh, but anyways, it was, you know, you know, that was kind of an, you know, an interesting touch. I, I like on science fiction shows when they come up with a new drug and it's, it just amplifies some of the intensity of things. Um, and they also mentioned that they have a free on uh like people aren't allowed to use freon because the ozone layer like in 89 we were very worried about the ozone layer and so they sort of project things out into the 90s and assume that the ozone layer is much more depleted and all that sort of thing um i don't remember what actually happened to the ozone layer actually i feel like i feel like it started to get resolved somehow i hope it got resolved but but anyways because of the ozone layer there is a there are regulations on ozone and so everybody is hot this episode uh cuz they can't use their they can't use the um, they can't use air conditioners and they even can't use refrigerators, it seems like. But also because of the hole in the ozone layer, things are getting hotter. Uh, so there's just this this general sense that things are getting hotter over the course of the episode. So, oh, no, this was this was an episode. And again, I can't really pinpoint exactly what it is. I mean, I, th- I tried to lay out why I liked it. Um, but this is this is now becoming clear to me why I like this show. When I saw this episode, it was like a light bulb went off. So I wanted to do an, uh, a recording just to talk about this one episode because this was, this was definitely why I like the show. And, and again, I, I think my main thing that I like about it is learn is the cultural stuff with the newcomers and the hangout stuff. That's really what I like. The action stuff is okay. I don't necessarily need that. 
Uh, I like it when it's cool. Like I know there's an episode that I really remember where they had, um, and it might have been one of the movies. I don't know because I I probably did end up seeing some of the movies, and and just thinking it was a show. But there was an episode where they have the saltwater Russian roulette, and that was really cool. And so when they do stuff like that, where they delve into when the action is centered around learning about the newcomer ships or the culture or whatever, that stuff always inter- interests me. I, I like when they utilize the science fiction elements. Uh, and you know, but still kind of, you know, it's still like domestic and hangout. I think, I think that that's, uh, uh, I don't know. I hope, hopefully I explain what I think the strengths of the show are, but yeah, there's now it's becoming very clear to me why I like this show. Um, and I have to say for the period it was written, I think it's good. I think it's, uh, uh, very good writing for the time. Um, I was trying to put myself in that headspace of what else would have been on the air at this time. What would I have been consuming? I'm guessing like Doogie Howser. I can't remember exactly when Doogie Howser came out. I feel like it was 89, 90. I feel like this is around the same time that Doogie Howser came out. It could be off by a year or so. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of Stephen Bochco stuff. So I feel like, you know, this would have stood out uh, very well. And I, I, I think that's why. And again, I was only in like seventh grade. But yeah, I, I, I think deservedly it stood out. And... Uh, and also, I have to say, it's the the series itself. The pilot episode is a little goofy because they cram so much in there, and it's a little bit like it's good, but it's a little bit clunky at times. And the rest of the show so far has been quite good. I think it's been better than the pilot. Um, and I don't know if that was actually a proper pilot. It might just been one of these things where it's episode one and they called it pilot, but they had a whole series lined up anyways because there were. I don't remember there being any changes from the pilot to the rest of the show. So yeah, so that's uh, those are my thoughts. Oh, the other thing was. The humor there, and again, the humor and how risque it is. Like, like there was a, there was one scene where George is just talking with Sykes, and I forget what they're talking about, but he's basically saying like, "I wouldn't miss it for the world." And so he says, "Wild horses couldn't drag me away," and you know he's trying to say wild horses, but I don't know. The, again, I think it's the actor that plays George. He just does a good job with that kind of stuff. He was able to do like a you know a stupid joke like that landed really well with with that actor, and also when he was. He was doing this thing where he was reciting the Constitution and like, you know, um, and and just like, you know, important quotes related to American history when he was talk when he was trying to stand up to the IRS because he didn't understand that he had crossed this line that you don't you don't you know, you don't tell the IRS off type of a thing. He he, he he's he's at he admires sort of American rebelliousness against authority and he doesn't realize that there's a, a strong line when it comes to the irs and so he kind of goes on a rant and uh i don't know i thought it, i thought it was very charming and i liked it um so so yeah so again i'm, I'm really enjoying this and uh i look forward to the next episode hopefully i'll be able to watch it tonight and maybe i'll have a, another uh another recording up i just wanted to get this one out for this one episode because I, I it really was like a light bulb moment for me and that's probably what I'm going to do going forward. If an, if, 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 if an episode is really stand out and just I really want to talk about it, I'll just dedicate the podcast to that one episode. It'll probably be 15 to 20 minutes because I don't think I'm going to need to go on for 30 minutes like I might for the the, the double episodes. And uh, yeah, and again, uh, for those who want to watch it, I know it's on Prime to rent or to buy. I think I bought it. Um, you know, it is a little bit of an investment. So if, if you're not sure, check out the trailers on YouTube. I think I saw the episodes up on YouTube somewhere. And I think that they have them on, um, uh, I heard Disney plus, 
you might be able to, if you have Disney Plus, check. Maybe you have it there. I actually haven't checked Netflix, which is probably stupid of me because if it's up there, I wouldn't have had to buy it. So um, I do recommend it, but I don't think it's for everybody. So look into it before you before you rent or buy it. I wouldn't want you to spend money on something and then realize, oh, this is a hokey show from the 90s that I have no interest in. Um, so yeah, So and again, it's that period. It's really before the 90s. This came out in 89 and went into 90. And that's not the 90s yet. That's still very much the 80s. That's uh, That was a very odd year for media, that, that period. Because I remember I moved back to Massachusetts and everything that I consumed that year is really burned into my brain. And I remember even thinking at the time that we were in like a weird media. Le- like it, I just remember feeling like a lot of movies felt odd and strange and uh, like things that kind of like, I don't know, two years before that, say like 1987, movies knew what they were if that makes any sense. And then by 89, it was very unclear what they were. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but that was just my impression as a kid. And it's kind of stuck with me when I go back and watch these things. So, so yeah, so I'll let you go and I will talk to you later.